Welcome back to The Foreign Desk. I'm Lisa Daftari. Today's show, Defending America. Not an easy job, but we certainly appreciate the individuals who help us do so. Uh, and to help us with this conversation, I want to bring in a good friend and colleague, U.S. Army Reserve Lieutenant Colonel and President of the London Center for Policy Research, Tony Schaefer. Hey, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Good to be on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, lots of stuff to cover. I mean, sure. um, just this morning, we're listening to President Biden uh, as we were preparing for the program. He's giving a talk right this moment at the State Department. Um, I just heard one of his lines. He said, we're back. Diplomacy's back. Mm. Where were we? <laughs> we're back. Yeah, I'm disappointed to say the least. Um, one of the things that Mike Pompeo did as Secretary of State was the Abraham Accords, which were unheard of. Uh, one of the things that Mike did, uh, and, and look, this is not I, this is not really well known. Right after Mike uh, became Director of CIA, uh, I had a meeting with him. I, I he asked me to come in, and so I thought he was going to talk about intelligence stuff. And he said, no, tell me about this Arab NATO and how I'm going to Turkey. I want to know your thoughts. It's like, oh, so Mike Pompeo was thinking about diplomacy and how to be successful as the Department of State head when he was still at CIA. So I resent, based on my own personal knowledge and involvement with Mike Pompeo, with the Secretary of State, uh, the fact that uh, Mike did work uh, leading first with diplomacy. Right. Uh, same with Rick Grinnell. I, I worked with Ambassador Grinnell when he was in Germany. And Lisa, nobody abandoned uh, diplomacy. They used diplomacy as a tool uh, as part of our strength of forcing NATO to pay more, of, uh, of taking a path which decoupled Middle East peace from the Palestinians. Uh, up till now, up until this the Trump administration, uh, they'd always said, we're not going to seek peace amongst the Arab allies and the Israelis until Palestine is done. Well, that was a simple way of con constantly causing a failure of diplomacy done by people like John Kerry, I might add. So when I see this, um, I don't even know how to describe the, 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 the President Biden statement. It is beyond false. And, and I think what he's saying is we're back in the pandering business of pretending to do diplomacy, right, right. but we're doing back, absolutely nothing. Right. We're back on the uh, podium diplomacy, which, right. you know, Tony, what, I mean, this is this is worth, uh, you know, a longer conversation than the hour that we have time for. Sure. But it's why is it why is it that the American people don't look and say, well, Trump took us out of Syria and Iraq and this guy in the first hours is putting us back in. Uh, Trump was able to bring uh, the Arab nations closer to Israel with the Abraham Accords. Unheard right. of. I mean, unheard of. Uh, people who have studied the region realize what a tremendous and innovative approach this was. And within the first 48 hours of the Biden presidency, we have a you know doubling down on giving the Palestinians aid again, the pay right. to slave programs to, in, you really are reinforcing terrorism. I mean, why is it that, I mean, is this just that the American people just prefer words than actions? Well, I'd like to believe that's not true. I mean, uh, if you actually look at who supported uh, the Trump administration's uh, diplomacy, we're talking about people like uh, 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 Tim Poole, 
who was not a uh, conservative. And, uh, you know, I watched him and I pre I kind of look at him as a bellwether of some of the, 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 the millennials out there who actually lean into understanding what's best for the United States, not simply uh, uh, going with a political philosophy. And I think part of the problem is the media itself. The, the mainstream media has com been completely dishonest and deceptive about what's been going on. And, and let me cite for you a very simple uh, series of events which uh, went pretty much under the radar. And one of the reasons I, I know about these is because I was involved. Uh, Lisa, one of the things that was most successful about retaking Iraq uh, from uh, ISIS back in, in, in 2017, 2018, was something done by Chairman uh, of the Joint Chiefs, Joseph Dunford, uh, fighting Joe Dunford. Uh, there was a series on this that I helped produce called Chain of Command with Nat Geo, National Geographic. And what was brilliant about, and by the way, uh, Joe Dunford was picked by President Obama to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Remember this. So uh, during the first two years of the Trump administration, Joe Dunford, with uh, a free hand to do what was necessary to win, put together the buy with and through strategy, which allowed for us to work with our regional allies, to not have to redeploy troops, to find a path forward to defeat ISIS, and then begin to sort things out in Syria without, again, us being in the middle. Mm -hmm. Trump maintained Joe Dunford, not because uh, Joe was a Republican, not because he was a Trump person, because he was effective. And one of the things that was notable about this is that uh, the strategy worked. It, it, it was what was effective in the Middle East. So President Trump did not act politically to remove Dunford because he was an Obama guy. Uh, Dunford was given free hand to do what was necessary. And yet, Lisa, the press never covered this. No. And so... I'm sitting here from, you know, looking at this as someone who advises a lot of people trying to do the right thing, but the people who should be reporting and talking about success based on merit, based on, on what actually result the results are, were right. silent. So that's why I think uh, most Americans don't even understand the fact that the president uh, allowed for these professionals to do their job globally and be effective. And that's, that is a very scary thing. Yeah, it reminds me what you said of, of how um, the September 15th signing of the Abraham Accords was uh, referred to by CNN because of Nancy Pelosi, but referred to by CNN as just a large gathering of people who were not socially distant. That, that's right. what it was basically brought down to. And, and that's, that's the, uh, that is to me akin to propaganda because it was groundbreaking, even if you don't agree with the, the path it took. Uh, maybe some on the left still don't agree with the idea of decoupling uh, Palestine from peace. Uh, okay, you can have the disagreement, but you cannot disagree with the fact that the Arabs, uh, major Arab nations had signed up to, to put themselves with the Israelis on a path to peace. And I think that was, was the point that should have been made, and it wasn't. Tremendous. I, exactly. I, you know, I've, I've actually wanted to invite you on the show for a while and we've had um, other segments together when uh, I had my show on Fox and on right. other panels together. And we've always discussed ISIS, Al Qaeda and Afghanistan and Iraq and all the different threats to uh, facing our nation. But um, unfortunately, I should say now the most pressing national security issues seem to be right here uh, in our nation's capital, um, starting with the news out of the Pentagon, uh, this morning. I wanted you to take a uh, listen to the sound and get your response. Sure. 
have confirmed I will fight hard to stamp out sexual assault and to rid our ranks of racists and extremists and to create a climate where everyone fit and willing has the opportunity to serve this country with dignity. For those who may have missed this news this morning, this is Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who has come out and said we have a stand down order for the entire U.S. military for the next 60 days. And of course, this being in reaction to the events that took place at the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, it's not an awful thing to you know, rid the military or anybody of racism and extremism, but it seemed like he's really just referring to one particular group of people, right? Yeah. He is, unfortunately. Now, let me be very clear. I retired uh, in 2011, uh, and uh, notably, uh, a, a brigadier general named Lloyd Austin uh, provided my Bronze Star. He approved my Bronze Star mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. I actually worked for General Austin. I was the uh, the human support element under him in, in Bagram. Uh, this is in my book, Operation Dark Heart. Uh, so I've worked for the man. Uh, and whatever he's talking about now uh, did not exist in the time when I worked for the man back in 2003, nor when I retired in 2011. And so I'm dubious of the existence of it now. I, I don't know how after eight years of President Obama and four years of President Trump, all of a sudden we have a we have a problem with racism. I I, I don't know. I, I think I, he's referring to the extreme. I think when he says extremism, coupling it with the word racism, because that's just a buzzword uh, these days, obviously. Yes. Um, but when he's saying extremism, he he's certainly referring to the veterans who participated in the protests on January sixth. I mean, what, what's what's your reaction to that? I think it's, uh, it's uh, again, I'm just going to have to say it, propaganda. Uh, look, I was there in the crowd with a number of my board members from the London Center. Uh, I have, it's on my social media. And <clears throat> to summarize it, it was very carnival-like. Uh, people were very bright. It was very much a, 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 a celebration. And one of the notable things, Lisa, and I, I encourage folks to go back and check the timeline, a lot of these things started before President Trump had even stopped speaking. President Trump stopped speaking at about 1.15. We all decided that, you know, we're going home. Everybody had their celebration. And so the crowd wasn't spun up. And so I do look at this comment from General Austin, uh, the second new Secretary of Defense is uh, uh, akin to attempting a version of political suppression of a point of view that the left does not agree with. And I, I need to be careful here because uh, I don't mean to, I don't want to say something uh, out of turn regarding his remarks. I'd like to see more, uh, I'd like to learn more about what his intentions are before I criticize him. With that said, uh, it was very clear in 2017 that the Obama administration permitted the Department of Justice to go off on political uh, witch hunts regarding the Russian narrative. Uh, so it's been very clear that the Democrats are more than willing to invoke and use official tools of government oversight uh, to f- essentially target those they disagree with politically. This is very dangerous. Very and dangerous. So, yeah. And so, yeah, so that's what I see here, unfortunately. Yeah, so. it's exactly what you said. Very, very parallel situation. When you take a certain narrative and you you take from that, well, I need to invoke A, B, and C because of this result. We're going to have racism. We're going to have extremism uh, and expect everyone to hop on board because who's, who, you know, who's going to fight that? Um, right. And in the meantime, my, my concern when I was reading this story this morning is 
this is just another continuation of really belittling men in, and women in, in uniform. And we've right. had that across the board, whether it's the police um, or, you know, the military, the way that we saw the footage of them sleeping uh, on the streets, the way that, you know, they've been treated. So the military, in my judgment, becomes essentially a prop in a larger uh, play, a political play to the left all the time. I mean, I've read uh, accounts about how badly the National Guard troops have been treated and uh, and politicized. I mean, you know, two governors, Rick DeSantis and uh, the governor of Texas, uh, Governor Abbott, pulled their National Guard units home because of the, the, the blatant uh, disrespect and political... Uh, uh, football game they were thrown in the middle of uh, this. And then, by the way, I, I've been to D.C. There's not there's no threat. Uh, it's it's really amazing that that you've had political leaders now right. choose to military. D.C. looks more like Moscow uh, than than D.C. ever has with all these fences, with all these guards. Uh, and I think it's a, a dangerous uh, and I think it's all about trying to set a per certain perception about uh, a certain segment of the political uh, um, uh, landscape threatening the city. There's no threat. There's no threat. And I live in Northern Virginia and I see what mm -hmm. goes in and out of that city. And I'm telling you, Lisa, th this is all a, a hoax. Uh, there's no threat that these guys are, are lined up against. It's using the, the, the military as a political pawn to create a certain perception as what's going on. Well, then I'd love to get your reaction on another piece of news that broke this week is uh, the there's a new order that um, extends the National Guard deployment through the end yeah. of March. We're at the beginning of February, and they've yeah. been there since before uh, the inauguration. What's their calculation? Do they think something's going to happen in the aftermath of impeachment trials, or what are they thinking? Uh, I, I think they're, again, trying to create a specific narrative that meets what they want people to think. This goes back to the original question you had regarding why didn't the media pay attention to all this great diplomacy? Same thing now. Uh, they didn't want you to look at that, but they want you to look at this. Look at the bright, shiny thing. Look at all these troops. Look at what we're being forced to do. Oh, my, this is terrible. We have to be very specific about having all these forces on hand. Uh, Lisa, this is this is a, a very Stalinistic tactic to create in the, the, the minds of the American people that there's an other out there about to attack. And that other uh, is anybody the left disagrees with. You know, let's, I think that's the safe thing to say. Anybody who disagrees with the left, they're racist. It doesn't matter if you're black or, or, or Asian, you're a racist because you disagree with us. Right. And I think that's what's going on here with the military. They're trying to create a perception saying that, oh, we are forced because of this threat to have the military here. And, and there's no such thing. I think it's, again, uh, uh, using the military inappropriately uh, for purposes of trying to, to, to create a, a, a political perception. Yeah, and, uh, you know, in that, you know, there's such a danger in creating this environment here in the United States where half the country hates the other half. They can't, right. not, not only hates, I mean, we, we have different points of view and, and traditionally we've, we've respected the other side and you wait four years until you can have another election so you can, but it's really, like you said, it's it's such an enemy that you have to rid it the way you have to rid, you know, anti-Semitism or, or racism. You want to rid this 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 type of thinking. And right. with that, we're, we're almost 
making it seem like, you know, conservatives are scarier than ISIS. Conservatives are scarier than Hezbollah. Um, and, you know, that's going to create, in my mind, and I'm sure, you know, you'd agree with this, it's going to create for the next four years a real dangerous blind spot with regards to our national security. That's true. So, well, at least let's be let's be clear on this. Uh, Chuck Norris is more uh, frightening than ISIS. Just saying, it, it, but you know, as an individual. Uh, but but on a serious note, uh, back to our serious discussion, you know, this is this is what they're trying to seek. They're trying to essentially create a uh, a uniform perception that anybody on on the conservative side is somehow engaged in extreme behavior. That's what it is. It's trying to create the idea of extreme behavior. And uh, look no further. Uh, then uh, uh, Miss uh, uh, Ocasio Cortez, Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez, working hard to create a narrative which backs this up. Uh, as some of you, if you follow my Twitter feed, I've been all over this because she flat out lied. She tried to portray all these uh, MAGA folks, these conservatives, coming in and seeking her out. And now, what we know to be a completely fictional account of what happened on the sixth of. of um, of uh, January. The reason she's doing that, Lisa, is because she and others are trying to coordinate this larger campaign to say all conservatives are radicals. Anybody who right. supported the president is a radical. They must now be cleansed from the political landscape. Right. Gee, I remember there was a leader back in the 1930s who started using that rhetoric talking about cleansing as well, and it didn't work out too well for, for Germany. So, uh, but I see parallels here between what they're trying to create regarding this narrative. Yeah, but Tony, the Nazis are on the right, not on the left, right? Well, it's what's interesting. What's interesting is that the techniques that I've seen the left uh, pick up and use are very much akin to what uh, Stalin used regarding the use of information to create perceptions regarding the Soviet people as well as some of the things, and I'm not calling the Democrats Nazis, let's be clear here, so not, when nobody gets upset and writes your notes, I'm saying that some of the techniques that the, the Nazis used to create perceptions has now been picked up and is being utilized by some elements. And again, I'm not, I'm not going to do what the Democrats do. I'm not saying all the Democrats are doing this. I say, I'm saying some, uh, what I would call the neo-progressives the neo uh, on the left are doing this, uh, because I know conscientious uh, Democrats, I've cor I correspond with a few uh, who are as mortified. I, I don't want to name any former members of Congress who have called their own side out, but I I'm telling you right now, some of their own side is calling them out for this uh, abortion. Absolutely, and, and as they should, if they truly are preaching unity, unity is going to come from within on both sides. Right. So look at your own party and say, what can we do so that the old guard and the new guard can have a unified, you know, message? So Schumer, Pelosi, they need to be, you know, reining in the Ilhan Omars and the AOCs out there and saying, look, this is not, this is not the way it is, you know. Right. And it's they, they have such a a feeling of entitlement. I mean, you you. You have yeah. a seat in Congress. I mean, look at Ilhan Omar, AOC, likewise, that actually hate this country. And I say that, I mean, yeah, they're, they're serving, right? And they, yeah. it seems like they don't realize the honor, the prestige that comes yeah. with serving um, and continuously bashing. You can criticize this country because that's what makes us better. But to continuously, continuously you know, speak badly about law enforcement, they're the same people who are keeping you safe outside so that you can tell your sob story about being afraid at the Capitol where you were not. Um, you know, so I think it, it, it just goes... You know, how how far will this go to 
really change the narrative and the landscape of what America is? That's what I don't know. And um, what I, I, I have a political science degree and I came up, uh, it, my course of study was focused primarily on two areas. Uh, international politics, or international relations in, in, in uh, American politics. And I've done a lot of, uh, you might laugh at this, I've done a lot of, of, of reviewing uh, the basic political atmosphere of 1860 and 1861 before the Civil War and, and what, what, what resulted in this bifurcation of society. And a lot of the, the extreme uh, views of differences of opinion of how we should proceed as a as a as a country, uh, which existed then exists now. Um, we have people who want to be free. Uh, I I went up to West Virginia and um, uh, Pennsylvania and Western Virginia a few days ago, and let me tell you, Lisa, the people living in those areas are not they're not in sync with Philadelphia. They're exactly. not in sync with New York. They're not in sync with New D.C. And, uh, you know, I went up, uh, full disclosure, I went up to one of the things I did was in Pennsylvania, got my concealed carry permit. I'm a big Second Amendment guy. So as I was going through and talking to the folks in line with me, it's like, uh, yeah, we, we, we're very concerned about the direction of our nation. And we, we don't necessarily think that things are going to go uh, peacefully. And I, I'm just, I, again, I'm not saying we're, we're heading to civil war. I'm saying the discord we currently have right. has a very, very clear divide between what people see in the cities and, and the progressive side right. versus what uh, what they call flyover country sees as the best direction for the country. And I don't know where this is going, to be honest with you. And I, I, I've spent a lot of time trying to get a pulse because my my job as a, as a national security think tank is try to advise those who are willing to listen on what the best policy is to proceed to keep the country Correct. together. And right. it's, 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 I, I don't have any answers yet. And you probably, I, I recommend we have this conversation about three months from now, maybe I'll have a better idea. Yeah, no, well, you know, I, I brought you on because you have such a, a perspective in both internally and externally um, looking at the threats that, that, that we face as Americans um, and, you know, looking at different parts of the world where they have had internal ter turmoil and then external um, often, you know, people will rally around the flag over, right. over a threat. What, what do you think? Um, and there's a long list of, of nations that were very happy to see Joe Biden elected and, and Donald Trump leaving. That's a message in and of itself, right? Yes. Um, what do you think will be the biggest foreign policy challenge for the Biden administration? And do you think it will bring Americans together? Yeah, it's an excellent question. And, and I, I think there are uh, three regions that is, is going to give uh, President Biden problems. And um, uh, three um, three threats within those regions that that we're going to have to deal with. First, let's just go through the regions. Uh, China, China has um, essentially already moved forward with trying to insinuate its momentum to uh, to creating its uh, Pacific Rim dominance, and then ultimately global. And you know, I hate to sound like. Uh, uh, you know, someone in a James Bond movie, you yeah. know, shouting out about an evil, an evil empire growing, but China is, and this yeah, is well, a military. I don't understand what is China's goal? China's goal, very simply, is dominance of the globe. 
the very principles which govern the way they, they run uh, the People's Republic of China. Remember, they are communists. Uh, they see that as the method that the world should run, that they, they believe that they as the communists are smarter than everybody else. And they've done this through what, what we call soft power. Soft power where they go into an African country and, hey, we're going to build a dam for you, build a power plant. And during the time they're doing all this great humanitarian work, they're subverting the government. Right. They're actually putting people in place. They're spending all this money and resources. They can afford to do that. So it's more about how do they dominate uh, the, the globe one country at a time through soft power. Now, they become a lot more bellicose. They've talked about being much more militant in, in, in doing this. And, and again, this is this is them. Uh, this is them using communism and this soft power to reinvoke uh, essentially a very, a very a big form of nationalism. The Chinese, Lisa, people uh, overlook this. The Chinese are more nationalistic than they are communistic at this point. Yes, 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 they're communists, but they're much more focused on trying to reinsinuate themselves as a as a as a national force. Uh, and what, what basically we did for year, years ago, I worked for Boeing, Phantom Works on this, and we did something called the Inside Out Study where we examined uh, in, in, through the intelligence lens what, you know, we, we, we pretended to be China. And the, the, uh, the answer that we came to the conclusion of, um, China is not looking to be communist, they're looking to be nationalist. They, they feel that their, their country is older than all the other countries on the world they just want, they think, you know, we can, we, why should we follow your rules? We have, the, our rules are older than yours. So this is much more about the, the Chinese insinuating themselves in such a way to say that we should be the ones uh, more than the United States or any other nation that dominates the world. And um, while I am not uh, a neocon, I am not for the idea of us dominating the world. I do believe the United States has been more fair in trying to be a, uh, uh, an arbiter of what's best for the planet, uh, because we do have certain principles that guide our, our work. And uh, let me tell you something. I think uh, our, our work to maintain uh, markets, our work to maintain uh, equilibrium for nations to be able to rise uh, is just that. It's, it's about fairness. It's about dem democratic principles. Uh, the Chinese, the PRC, will have no such interests should they uh, become successful in creating the, the dominance of the planet that they're seeking uh, to, to, to insinuate on everyone. Right. Uh, and the other two? So, uh, Russia. I, I think Russia is going to be a challenge because, uh, you know, the Russians are going to go back on, on doing what Russians do. Uh, Victoria Nuland, uh, those uh, the diplomats, uh, look, they're already going to do things to undermine uh, Ukraine's sovereignty. So I think we're going to see another crisis where the Russians and, and Ukraine are facing off because uh, of Biden's uh, feckless policies. And then uh, we're also well, going to see... Let's stop at Russia for a sure. moment. What do you think about Blinken's move to get right back into the START Treaty with zero uh, conditions, leverage? I mean, they didn't use any of the leverage we had exactly. on that expiring treaty. Thoughts? Yeah. I, I, again, I think we're going to be deferring to Russia. Uh, people don't recognize, Lisa, that President Trump did more to create more uh, problems for Russia than any president has in a long time. He, he actually forced the Russians to live up to treaty obligations or end them. We left 
uh, the uh, the INF Treaty for the right reasons. Uh, we were prohibited from creating a whole range of, of intermediate range nuclear weapons by the treaty, and the Russians just did it. It's like, yeah, we're just going to do it. Well, okay. you can't do that. Well, you know, we're going to do it, uh, but we expect you to stick with the treaty. No. Okay. So President Trump walked away from that. So that's what I'm saying is that 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 we if we saw we weren't benefiting from it or the Russians weren't living up to it, it was ended. And so the idea that uh, Biden's going to jump back in there with no condition saying, oh, no, we're going to re-up, it doesn't make any sense. One of my friends and mentors, by the way, Lisa, is Bud McFarland, President Reagan's former national security advisor and another ambassador, Hank Cooper, who was one of his senior, senior negotiators on these treaties that were created. And I'm telling you right now, there was always uh, a tit for tat. If you do this, we expect this. There was always a, a, a negotiation from strength. I mean, so don't we get that from, from childhood? Like, you're not going to give all your cookies and not get any snack in exchange. Yeah, right. So the fact that within not even two weeks, he's given in to the Russians, it's not a good sign. So that's what I'm saying. The Ukraine issue, Katie, bar the door. Uh, I think if I were uh, in Ukrainian leadership right now, I'd be very worried. Uh, so this, so I think the Russia thing is problematic. And, uh, you know, there was all this talk about uh, foreign interference Trust me, the Russians didn't want Trump reelected. I, I don't know where that all came from. And, and, you know, while I don't believe for a minute the Russia collusion thing, I don't believe for a minute the Russians were supporting Trump uh, because I think they see greater benefit from a Biden administration. And then the last area is simply the Middle East. Um, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of resurgence of, of terror groups. Uh, ISIS, I think, is going to reinsinuate itself in certain areas where we don't have political will uh, to go in and deal with it. Uh, I think there's a good chance we're going to see new conflicts based on the fact that um, Biden seems unable to resist the idea of sending troops into Syria. I think if we send troops into Syria, we're going to see a, a larger conflict uh, ensue uh, in the region. And I, I just don't see that area maintaining stability, especially when they reopen their relationship with the Iranians. Right. Um, I think one of the things that happened under Obama is that our Arab allies, and again, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to justify anything the Saudis do. I'm not saying that I support Saudi Arabia or some of their more extreme issues. Trust me, uh, I am anti-Saudi when it comes to women's issues and some of the ways they do things. But I'm just, I'm saying as a practical matter, the United States made a policy decision a long time ago mm -hmm. to align itself with the 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 uh, the Sunni. Arabs, not the Shia. And so the idea of warming back up to the the, the, the Shia, the uh, the Iranians, I don't think is going to go well for regional stability. Right. And I think he's going to have a lot of pushback based on uh, the, the modern or moderate Arab countries that have signed on to the Abraham Accords Absolutely. that have done so for many reasons, one of which being to curb the Sunni, uh, the uh, influence from uh, uh, Iran as well. But I think right. you a, a great point. We're living in a in a in a time, and and Donald Trump was was actually very very good at this because he was a deals and a negotiating kind of guy. Right. Uh, to not look at people or, or or nations as our allies, but on policy issues only. So I can collaborate with you on this, but I can call you out on this. Right. Uh, and I think that that is you know really the way to go. We can say that Saudi Arabia has issues with many things, human rights being one of them. Uh, but definitely to collaborate on them with the enemy of my enemies, my friend, and to see if we will get back into uh, the Iran deal. Um, one of, I mean, you wear many hats. Um, obviously, you have a tremendous military background. 
background, tremendous knowledge as a consultant and obviously with the, the London um, Center. Um, but my favorite part of your bio is where it says on Twitter that you're a snarky bastard. <laughs> I've never seen that come through maybe a little bit today with uh, uh, some of your jokes, but um, in, in uh, let's get back to the more serious stuff. Sure. I think you're working on a, a very, very important topic, something that I've covered um, for many years, but not have I, I haven't heard much about it as of late, um, and that's FGM, uh, right. female mutilation, which still goes on in many parts of the world, and people don't realize this. Um, and you are coming out with a report on this imminently at the London Center. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So, yeah. Um... To give explanation, because I think your audience is going to see we're all over the map today, and and the London Center, I don't, we're not so much all over the map, but we do try to focus on two specific areas of of, of interest that that I think everybody should understand. First is collective security. Uh, most of what we've talked about so far, Lisa, is about our collective security as a nation and the allies we work with to help make sure that this is strong. The other thing we do is individual security, the individual, the ideas of individual liberty. And uh, one of the things that uh, Dr. London, my boss, Herb London, before he passed, was big on was the, the Bill of Rights and the idea of American exceptionalism. And people misinterpret American exceptionalism all the time. It's not about us being better in the world. It's, uh, it's about the fact that anybody in the world can come here and be better, that, all, that you can come here and be American. That's the, that's the exceptionalism. And when you get here, you have the freedom to exist, to be secure in your person and to thrive. And that's all about, that's why we cover this wide range of things to include this female genital mutilization issue, which now has come up. Uh, so um, a couple days ago, uh, Scott Perry, uh, Re Representative Scott Perry, Congressman Scott Perry contacted me and said, hey, um, I'm doing a bill, uh, save, uh, save our our Girls Act, which focuses on uh, the basically to making making sure that it is a criminal act, that is a federal criminal act for anyone to engage in female genital mutilization. Believe it or not, there's been some cases in this. I think it was in Kansas, or, or oh, I'm sorry, no, it was, it was in um, Missouri, uh, uh, Michigan, where a doctor engaged in this. And right. even though it was against the law, the court said, oh, this is protected by religion. It's like, excuse me? Uh, uh, you know, you have the right to mutilate a child because of a religious belief. Uh, and it, this is it was it's it's bad. So what what Scott is trying to do, what Congressman Perry is trying to do is establish legislation, which does three things. First, makes it a federal crime to engage in that behavior, that that is something that clearly is, is well-defined as a criminal act. Secondly, it makes it reportable so that people actually get a sense of how big this is. This, in my judgment, and according to, you know, Scott and I did a, a discussion on this yesterday in our, on our Thought to Action podcast, where we talk about this, this is underreported. This happens way more than people understand. Mm -hmm. And and because, you know, people say, oh, we don't see it. Yeah, you don't see it because it's not going to be bragged about. And those who actually observe it, uh, who are medical professionals, aren't required to report it. Well, they need to report it. And it needs to be documented as a crime in the FBI crime uh, uh, data uh, analysis. Uh, so that's the second thing it does. It makes it very clear. And third, 
for those who were victimized by this, did you, I don't know if you knew this, Lisa, did you know, did you know if you were victimized by this, you can't get federal support that this is not considered something worthy of, a, of one of those grant programs that women have available to them when they're victimized? Did you know that? I did not know that. This was something I had no idea about. But this also uh, then opens up uh, all these federal programs, these grants and other protective programs to women who suffer this this horrible uh, event. So those that's what's in this new act. And so uh, uh, it's very it's very timely. As a matter of fact, uh, Scott is dropping that today. This is going into Congress. And, One, uh, I, I hope the young women of Congress, AOC and Ilhan Omar and, and Rashida Tlaib, I, I hope that they're listening because um, these these are real human rights issues that are, are worthwhile uh, and a platform that young women should really support if they have the voice to do so. Well, well let me ask you that question, Lisa. I hope you don't mind. I, I turn the tables here for a second. How is it that people like those women don't see this as an issue? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I see this because I, I want to be fair. I, I, I think it's terrible. But how is it the women you just mentioned don't seem to be all that, you know, concerned about this? Yeah, because, you know, it's it's exactly to go back to our first question, why the media doesn't pick up on a lot of these things going forward. You said, you know, there's going to be an emergence of ISIS. There will be all of these stories will be minimalized, you know, um, totally washed by the media uh, because it doesn't support the narrative. And mm. these human rights cases are just on the periphery because they don't want to uh, give attention to something that is outside of, of their very narrow scope, um, which they promote. I've always said this. I mean, where are they on the women of Iran that come out without their hijab and are uh, imprisoned? Um, right. Where are they on all of these various stories, on honor killings right here in the United States? We don't even need to go f as far as the Middle East, right here in the, right. in, in the United States. Um, you know, you have Ms. Tlaib, who is from Michigan. I mean, these are these, this is her state where these, these a lot of these cases are, are taking place. So I think there should be much more pressure based on their constituents to follow these cases, to report these cases, to highlight these cases. People like yourself and, and myself have to uh, stay with it um, and to bring it to their attention. Because really, um, I think there's never been a better time for think tanks and independent journalists like us to have a voice. And there is such a mistrust on the uh, um, by the mainstream media. And I think that because of that, there is a void that should be filled. And these are the stories that have to be covered. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And thank you for bringing it up. I, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you for doing such great work. You know, um, Herb London was a good friend. Um, he supported, you know, the Foreign Desk and my work, always sent me little lines to let me know that he's reading my stuff and really meant a lot to me to watch him as a mentor, somebody who was really a a, a large figure and, a, and and big shoes to fill. And thank oh, you yeah. for, for stepping up and continuing his wonderful work and his legacy. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank, uh, thank you for your kind words. And uh they're tough shoes, but I'll continue to do my best. Uh, I, I always uh, try to make, before I make a decision, I always ask myself, what would Herb do? So uh, I, I do try to so nice. do my best. Tell, tell people where they can find your snarkiness online. So I'm T Spooky on, on Twitter and, and uh, on the other social media pro, uh, 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 Gab and some of the other ones. If uh, if uh, we get, if, if Parler comes back, I'm T Spooky on that. Uh, and then uh, you can check out our work uh, on londoncenter.org. Uh, we have a good summary of everything we're doing. We're doing an accountability center. We've got a Second Amendment center. We're reopening a lot of our work on uh, uh, trying to find ways to work. Uh, I'm working with the uh, Association, of British, Association of British Muslims in, in England, trying to look at how we can stop 
uh, Islam from being radical, trying to de-radicalize it. Uh, and then also we have a podcast, Thought to Action, which I'd like to invite you to come over and do a, a segment on at some point, maybe on the topic of of the uh, the uh, Save Our Girls Act at some point. Uh, Thought to Action uh, is on YouTube, and and uh, so we people can go over and look at our, our uh, I think we'd probably do two or three of those a week just to keep oh, people informed of what we're doing. So, but again, Lisa, thank you for having me. I hope we don't wait another six years before we get back together again. Exactly right. It was wonderful having you on. Thank and you. for those of you who'd like to subscribe to our podcast, go to youtube.com slash Lisa Daftari. And to sign up for our daily top 10 email, go to our website, foreigndesknews.com slash newsletter, and you can sign up there. Till next time, thank you and be well.